accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our DS9 coverage. We're up to the episode called Profit and Loss. Profit and Loss. It is the uh, second season, 18th episode. First aired on the 20th of March, 1994. This one was written by Flip Cobbler and Cindy Marcus, directed by Robert Weimer. And this one, Quirk is reunited with a lost Cardassian love, but he learns that he uh, she is a member of the Cardassian underground. We're joined by Modi to talk about this one. Modi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. We're, we're we're fiddling our way through less than a perfect recording setup right now. I think you've got your phone out. You're recording with multiple headsets, but I, I think <laughs> I think we're ready. I think we're ready to. I just uh, need like cork ears so I can like fit more head, headsets on my head. I think <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's like a, a horrible storm outside here right now. So if if the recording stops, we'll try to mesh it back up as best we can. <laughs> but I think perfect. We're, we're ready to uh. I think storminess is a part of Casablanca, right? I haven't seen Casablanca in a long time. But anyway, let's um, let's play an audio clip, and we'll come back, and we'll break down why I mentioned Casablanca. I'll tell you what. I'll give you 20. 20? How uncharacteristically generous for a Ferengi. Just one businessman trying to help out another. I figure we have to stick together. Well, this is the latest style on my home world. Do you like it? I'm no expert in Cardassian fashions. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. It's been so long since I've had a Cardassian customer. Then you're in luck. There's some on board the station right now. Now that you mention it, I think your lady friend might find this style very appealing. You're old friends, aren't you? You're very perceptive for a Cardassian. It would have been hard to miss the way you were looking at her. It would have been hard to miss the way you were looking at her. Personally, I find this style a bit too radical. But your friend seems the sort who appreciates that kind of thing. Different tastes for different people. Nothing wrong with that, is there? Oh, you'd be surprised how detrimental a poor choice of fashion can be. Take this dress. It may be all the rage now, but in a very short time, it can become tiresome. An affront to the eyes. Certain people might even think it's objectionable. And then... Nothing but rags. Okay, so, Casablanca. This episode is basically um casablanca <laughs> except it was watered down a little bit modi are you f- are you familiar with casablanca have you seen it recently oh, for sure yeah i've seen it i've seen it a few times yeah okay so you would i i haven't seen it since probably a couple years ago i know the broad strokes of it obviously but i i don't know it well enough to say if this episode suffers because i don't know it well enough or if it's better off not knowing anything about or not being super familiar with it because apparently the original script for this was called here's looking at you and it was <laughs> extremely similar to casablanca to the point where the estate for that movie sued uh didn't sue wow. but thre- threatened a lawsuit against ds9 and i feel that the episode I, I think this episode is okay we're kind of coasting into a point of season two where things are like the show knows how to pull off an average episode 
when it needs to. And this is kind of an average episode, but I don't know if I'm missing something because I'm not getting all the references. Um, but what, what did you think? I, at the time, did not pick up on the Casablanca thing. And now that you said it, it's so obvious. I never realized it. Now it's like, oh, yeah, this is just a ripoff of that. It's totally just a... It's it's pretty much, like, to the letter, I would think, too. I could see why they would have, like, legal problems if they went any further than this. Yeah. But, it, uh, yeah, it comes down to, like, every single every single relationship, every single character is depicted here. And without really, like, stretching all, any of the characters too much. I mean, I guess Quark in love is the biggest stretch of anything, but he's been known to be infatuated with women before, so it's not that big of a stretch. Yeah. And yeah. everyone else plays the role for Casablanca perfectly, uh, right down to Odo. Um, being the uh, lieutenant or whatever it was from Casablanca. Yeah, yeah, I forget, I forget his name, but it's. I'm just not. I'm super not familiar with uh, the movie. But I mean, I think that, like, I wonder about it because you said you said that Quark's uh, romantic relationship seemed kind of odd. I th- I think that the the reason I would want it to be more of a direct homage is because. A movie like Casablanca can stand on its own, and I think it's tough to put that storyline into an existing series like this. And, you know, because you don't know anything about the Bogart character in Casablanca, mm-hmm. right? Like, when you when you come into Not that much, movie, yeah. you, you, you're only working on what he is telling you from that movie. We have previous history right, yeah. with Quark, and... I feel that this episode doesn't really do Quark's character right because he doesn't have enough of a conflict about his Ferengi values in it, which is something that's really prominent for him. And it's weird that they never bring it up. He just abandons all rules of acquisition when this this girl comes back into his life, which is interesting. Um, Yeah, and it doesn't... I mean, it doesn't work on a... Like, he never... Wouldn't it have been more of a DS9 episode or a Quark episode if he was a little bit more conflicted about the the issue there like him not making yeah. profit and stuff like that it, it just felt odd yeah there that actually would be closer to how rick in uh casablanca is um he is like conflicted about seeing her again he's not all like giddy and as cork is he is like much more reserved and kind of like not happy to see her almost right um, yeah whereas cork just falls over himself as soon as she walks through the door right yeah they had to abbreviate it a little bit i think but i I, I sort of had a hard time buying into the episode because of that, or at least I had a hard time buying into the uh, the Quark storyline. There's multiple storylines here, um, and I, I don't know if you wanted to start off with any of them, if you wanted to continue going down the, the Quark path, but I think there's the Garrick path. I can stick with Quark. That's, that's fine. Yeah, there's... there's a, Garrick is super interesting, too. I'd like to talk about that as well. So let's get Quarks out of the way. Um, I, I felt that his stuff is kind of the weakest here. It, it borders on melodrama a lot of the time. And yes, <laughs> it's it's a like the turns of the storyline. I know that they have to work for what they are, but I, I never feel like any of them are earned. Like after she shoots him with a phaser, uh, she immediately is like, oh, no, Quark, I'm sorry I did that. I love you. Yeah. And the the really the big thing to me about this episode is that there's a lot of I wouldn't call them plot holes, but there are sequences where I don't understand the logic of what the characters are doing. For most of it. So it, it really distracts me from the quality of the storytelling or it makes me think that the quality of the storytelling is less than what's going on. The big one, the reason that like the single thing that would take us like a star or a rating away from me and my final rating for this one is when Odo just releases the prisoners at the very end. He releases the Cardassians. Yeah, it's a tidy way to wrap that up. And 
I mean, I it's it, we have seen Odo be beholden to his own sense of justice, but we've never seen Quark able to convince him of that. Like he's obviously playing you, and you know that. But whatever your sense of justice is, you know the Quark is just in it for himself as usual. So it's it's just interesting maybe maybe he sees that he's not maybe in this case but, see uh, yeah i have um, that well i have that issue too like oh you're you're 100 right that odo has his own code about things but i still feel it's totally out of odo's character to just let people who are deemed to be criminals by his bosses go you right know, like he would he would see them as criminals still i mean he would that's how he would still see them right he, uh, regardless he, of the punishment that they have in store for them he doesn't necessarily seem like the person that would care about that right and it comes at that uh, that sort of long sequence of quirk announcing his feelings and telling odo how he feels and odo will never feel this way because he doesn't have any emotion then odo's just like you know what i will let them go i won't do it for you but i'll do it for them and it just really you know after especially after that weird scene where it's not weird, but Cisco comes in and he's like, "Well, my hands are tied. I can't help you at all. I'm sorry yeah. about this." And then we never see Cisco again for the rest of the episode to talk about it. And Odo also faces no repercussions for doing this, like with the Bajoran Council. Like he would definitely be in trouble with them, lose his job probably over this. Yeah, uh, doesn't seem like something he'd risk his job for in general. Just even he's not he's not much of a bureaucrat, but he has the self preservation enough to not break the rules that much because I, I, I mean it might have helped to know exactly what the, the you know quote-unquote terrorists here did because he's the big the reason that he lets him go is because he says well i saw what their file was and it's not worth the punishment they'll receive from the cardassian so i'm going to say it's okay for them to let them go yeah that's his justification for it they seem to and just be political if we knew what they did yeah they, yeah. they seem I mean, to just be political prisoners basically or um but i i think you're right about the so i assume that they're not getting the bajoran prisoners back at this point right yeah they, right they can't make that trade. So it feels like Odo did some bad thing at at a point here, but no one is going to ever bring it up because the episode ends before that can even happen. Same with them. Right. Um, it's never going to face any repercussions. The episode doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And Odo's not going to lose his job in this episode. Same with uh, Garrick just disintegrating the other Cardassian at the end. Is this also a weird turn? Yeah, it's it's a. We'll talk about Garrick, but just the just the fact that he he murders someone on a futuristic space station in a very overt like he doesn't poison him or anything like he shoots him with a phaser <laughs> and disintegrates right. him and no one seems to care about like this is never going to be investigated. Crime. No evidence. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just those are the those are the big problems I think with the episode. It has all these beats that I have trouble following. Uh, but what, what do yeah. you think in general about this one? It, it, no, the Garrick thing, it seems unearned is the big problem with it, I think. We don't really understand why he would... We he, They're trying to they're trying to have it both ways because they want to play him... Um, they want to play him middle of the road and kind of mysterious for future episodes still. So they don't want to reveal his loyalties exactly. Uh, and so they give him... Like, he's he's all ready to betray uh, the Bajorans and... and and or to, to, to kill the Cardassians to, yep. to satisfy his, his needs back at his own planet and go home. But then two minutes later, he no longer cares about that after he finds out that's not in the cards for him based on what this guy said. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe felt maybe he felt betrayed by the other guy. So he got mad, but mad enough to just disintegrate a guy. It doesn't seem quite right. I, so my understanding here is that and I guess we'll we'll talk about uh, we'll move into Garrick, but we'll start at the end. My understanding of what Garrick does here is that he has up until the very end, he was intending to kill or send back those Cardassians. And yeah. he's doing that because he wants to get home. And the 
when the other Cardassians comes in and says that, oh, just because you did this doesn't mean that you're actually going to be allowed to come back by the Central Command, he realizes that he's kind of been played and he doesn't want this guy to succeed, so he just kills him. And he, he kind of does the right thing, but it's it's less about doing the right thing in terms of these Cardassians and more about he got screwed, so now he's just going to fuck this guy over, basically. Yeah, but like, won't that like stop him from ever returning home if that's like a goal of his yes like killing someone that's actually listened to in their government and the guy also just even if he doesn't even trace back to him the, guy, the fact that the guy just disappears right on deep space nine <laughs> would certainly raise some eyebrows to this guy's ability to return home someday that, that's the that's my problem with him killing him if he just stunned him maybe i could see them not killing and let them go it. yeah what's what's he gonna do what's the difference between disintegrating the guy versus stunning him and letting the the Dreisians go. Yeah, yeah. And he can't do anything either way. I, you know? I mean, I, I think that the... Like... Garrick's interesting because we, we also... We learn a little bit about Garrick, but we don't learn... We don't learn explicitly what he's doing on the station. We... We we learn his motivation is basically to get back home. He wants to go back to Cardassia and that he loves Cardassia um, in his way. So I think that his... You know, he has this whole thing about loving Cardassia as well as admitting when he has this conversation with Cisco that he, um, you know, he is a, he even opens up the episode. He's talking to Bashir about that Cardassian novel where Bashir is mm-hmm. a- amazed that the Cardassian novel um, has a brother betray his brother in the name of the state. And like he rats out his brother to the state. And th- apparently the Cardassians see that as the highest honor is basically like you are subservient to the state and ratting out your family in the, uh, for the state is a very good thing to do. It's very shades of 1984. So yeah, he has a logical reason for it too. In that, that scene, it seemed like too, like he was like, Oh, you can save your brother, but it's it's ultimately not going to save him anyways. So you're better off helping everyone by helping the state, even though you're sacrificing your brother. It it seemed like he had more logic behind it than just like all hail the state. All hail the state. Sure. But I I feel like that's the, that's the basis for propaganda would be anyway. Right. Like it would be like, well, you might as well help out everybody by helping out the state. So that could be, I, the the Garrick thing is just when he reveal like he's driven to want to get back and just as you say him icing this guy at the very end of the episode and it's not just that he ices the guy he immediately flips into a weird personality where he seems to genuinely want to help the other Cardassians you know yeah that that I had a problem with that it's weird well I was thinking like I was hoping that like, it was gonna be like something like he was pretending to go kill them so that he could get this guy you know recorded or something like that trying to kill these people so that would make the deal fall through or something like that so then he wouldn't be able to take the guys back so they would get away and maybe they wouldn't get the Bajorans back either but he kind of interrupts the deal by pointing out this guy's you know yeah double dealing with them and i thought maybe that's what he's going for but then he just straight up merged the guy <laughs> yeah yeah you are kind of you are kind of expecting that he's got another card up his sleeve at the yeah. very end and he really does it's just the card up his sleeve is just I'm willing to murder anyone I choose to. Yeah, it's and it's. I mean, it's just it's that kind of unsatisfying. If it was a standalone thing, I'd be totally fine with that. But the the episode is some of the weird things about this is that it feels at this point the show is kind of struggling about how to balance episodic storytelling with long form storytelling on some level mm-hmm. because the Garrick thing has been going on for multiple episodes, right? And mm-hmm. the 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 only way to resolve this storyline 
or the way, the way that a TNG episodic nature storyline would happen would be to totally get rid of that Cardassian that he kills at the end, right? You you get right. rid of him and you have no problems going forward for the rest of the episode because after, after the episode's over, we're going to hit the reset button. The problem is in this serialized storytelling that they're doing, it has it leaves you with all these questions about like why is there no repercussions for what's going to happen? Like how did they all get away with this? It makes it makes the station security <laughs> seem inept. They should have just made it a dream at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're all a quirk's dream, and just, everything would make sense then. It just wakes up, but but like you know what I mean? Like the there's a difference between how to wrap up a single standalone story and how to do it in a setting where your actions have repercussions because you're in the same place over and over again. Yeah. It's tough. I like the, I just don't know. I think the show is struggling with realizing that it can't do that kind of storytelling anymore. It can't just kill the characters or get rid of them at the very end because it, right. it leaves these weird questions. On it. Yeah. 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 They, well, again, they wanted to have Garrick, still be mysterious and neutral in future episodes. So they needed a way. So, but the problem is the act they chose him to do at the end here is putting him on one camp or the other. He's choosing a side, whatever he chooses, whether he lets the Cardassians go or chooses to kill them. He's, he's got to pick a side in that moment. And I, I guess they somehow got him to a middle of the road again at the end of it. Still doesn't seem that way though. See, I, I, I feel he comes off as more antagonistic than ever in this episode. Yeah, like he, exactly. He, he's yeah. the, he is the most hostile towards our main cast that he's ever been. And even at the end, his decision is not out of a sense of helping his friends. It's about, well, since I can't get what I want, I'll just allow this to happen because there's no reason to, there's no reason to harm them anymore because I can't get what I want. But it doesn't really give a vote of confidence from Quark after this because this guy just was about to murder these folks and now he's turned, he's he's betrayed them too so why would we ever ever trust this man again right for yeah. anything yeah, that, that's that's the big that's the big question about it and you can keep that suit I ordered I do not want it anymore <laughs> and the yeah I guess let's let's finish that too so Garrick and the Cardassian intrigue are the most interesting aspects of this episode to me Mm-hmm. Um, it's the stuff that ties into the back uh, story of what's going on in the series at this point. It is the stuff that feels like it belongs in the show as opposed to the quirk stuff, which I don't feel belongs in the series and doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But what, what do you think of Garrick so far? I, I don't know if you've seen many episodes with him. Um, he's had- this might be my first or second only that has him in it. And I, I really liked him in the scene uh, where he's talking about the the radical styles of clothing to Quark. And I, I like the subtlety there. It was like, it was almost like too subtle. The sure. way he was talking to, to Quark. Um, and I, I enjoyed that scene as far as I think that, that they can have a character like this now that, that is, you know, speaking in, in covert codes. Yeah. And, and meta- metaphors. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's funny. Like I, I, I agree with you. Like his character adds a level of shading to language in the show that is interesting it's it sort of runs into a problem when every time he talks or tells a story you know that he's not talking about what he's talking about on some level yeah um so it's it's weird it's it's nice that they're allowed to get a little bit flowery with their language but like do you do you feel that quark was picking up what he was putting down or do you think that quark was just kind of getting the hint of what was going on because my interpretation was yeah was that quark was 
picking up everything and totally understood what he was talking about, which feels a little bit a little bit off. If you want a character like Garrick who's going to talk mysteriously like this, I feel that the characters can't immediately be on his level with him. Right. They have to like have a, a moment of where they're not sure what he's talking about. But I mean, even like, but I guess, like I said, I, it was almost too subtle for me of what he's trying to get at with things. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't really presenting it in a kind of a, a hint, hint, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink kind of way. Yeah. It, was, it was very matter of fact about what he was talking about. And uh, maybe it's just his, his style in general is kind of, you know, wink wink but, they, don't, they don't clarify um, it at the end either he's not yeah. like he's not like you know what i'm talking about is this <laughs> type thing yeah yeah uh, so i mean yeah it's, it's i don't know i don't know if that really landed as well as it's supposed to it, it that also does seem like a i, I don't know what else to call it besides just a, a writer's thing where the writers just kind of sit back after they wrote that it seems like oh man i've done it again right that's yeah. how it always feels to me when they write a scene like that yeah i mean i'm trying to think of See, because I think that it's a weird thing of the times where Garrick plays those scenes. I think a more modern show would, the actor playing it would play it more straight. Like, I get, get, you get a sense from Garrick that he is, just from the way the actor delivers the lines, is that he is performing. You know, he is... Yeah, he, you should not take him at face value, which is interesting for Star Trek in the mid '90s that they actually had this kind of character who would say things that on face are totally different from the, what he means. But he is—I I think they probably improve him on some level. But early on here, just the the dress thing, that whole scene felt a little bit, uh, a little bit odd. I, I I liked it at the same time as I didn't like it. Was it was right down the middle? It's basically the way that the episode went for me. Yeah. I can see that. Um, let's see here. So we got we've done Garrick's thing. We figured out the uh, the political. Oh, we learned a lot about the Cardassians. We'll continue with the Cardassians, I suppose. The Central Command is the name of their central government, and ah. that uh, things are not all well and good on Cardassia. There are undergrounds apparently trying to uh, take the military out of control of the government. Um, th- not spoilers, but going. It's a little odd that this is how this idea is introduced in this series. I'll say that. Did you? What's your sense of the Cardassian underground that you got from this episode? Um. Yeah. I, I guess this is this is a kind of our first taste of it. Like, it's never really been mentioned that no, there's this, this resistance is, going on. This is on. the first okay. the first mention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I would then I would think if it's just like a contrivance so they could do the Casablanca thing, um, that it's not actually like a thing going on. It's just these couple people that are fighting this resistance, and it's going to stop after this episode. But maybe. Uh, well, apparently not. But do you think um, do you think that's our TNG brains going, or do you think it's the way maybe. that the series is written? I, it might just be yeah. It might just be my expectation based on other Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be it. Yeah. I mean, I I'm I'm kind of mixed about it because I don't know if they intend to keep these things going at this point. They're kind of moving into the series far enough where I feel like they should be aware that these are things that they want to continue, but they bring them up in such. This woman never comes back. Right, this female Cardassian. Yeah. So right. that is odd to me. Like if you if you were to modernize this, wouldn't this this woman would become a key figure, like a key recurring character who sh- shows up every once in a while. And they don't do that. So it makes it feel unimportant because these characters are just sort of tossed off like that. And I think it's a holdover from the TNG storytelling model, but they're just, as I said before, they're trying to figure out their way of how you continue to tell a serialized story 
in this universe and they're having a little bit of a difficulty with it at this point uh yeah let's see here so i guess we'll is there another storyline besides the cardassians or should we just move back to quark to wrap it up we can we can move to quark quark all right so i think that's it i mean what do you think of the quark storyline i don't know if i got your full unfettered opinion about it ah uh, i mean again it doesn't it doesn't ring the beginning doesn't ring true this personality of of falling over anyone besides profit and then i mean i at the middle i was kind of hoping for some type of uh you know redemption i guess the casablanca kind of ending of of letting him go because you realize that's that's the caring best. for a person yeah. then it's like then it's like that's not quirk though right. <laughs> it's really not him <laughs> i wanted him to turn again and like all of a sudden be you get about profit once again and then find out there's like a, a a briefcase full of gold pressed latinum if he turns them over to the Cardassian High Command. I know it's it's yeah it's like selling them out to the Nazis or something. I mean, do you think that yeah. the I I would have expected something that could have fit more was he makes a deal at the very end that saves them, but maybe he gives up a little bit of something. You know what I mean? Like, right? If he if that he, would play to his strengths though, that's the thing too. That that's why it would ring true because that's what he does. You know, right. he is a dealer maker. He is a con artist. His his way that he wins in this is by convincing Odo to let them go. And that's he wasn't conning Odo in that situation. No. And that's also not something that never works. So that doesn't that's not playing to his strengths of what he is all about. It also felt like um he just basically arrived ten minutes too early because Odo was gonna let them out anyway. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, if if, if really he found out that, that was the case, that that was his choice. I don't think Odo could convince him of that, so that must have been what he's going to do anyways. Right. Odo Odo had his mind made up. He's like, this is wrong. I will let yeah. them go. But he was apparently just taking his time reading a book or something. Um, <laughs> I, I I would have ended it that way. I would have had Quark make a deal with that Cardassian, maybe, that Garrick shoots. I wouldn't have had Garrick shoot him. I would have had Quark make a deal with him where Quark makes a deal that is bad for Quark, but it allows those Cardassians to get away. And his negotiation to allow that to happen is... The character growth for the episode he realizes that like he uses his skills that he's good at to give up something which is mm-hmm. antithetical to the character which makes you go oh right. he actually really cared sense. for her yeah yeah meanwhile meanwhile odo is like behind the scenes letting them go anyways right <laughs> <laughs> so it foils quirk's whole plan of being you know noble and virtuous and he has its grand plan that he doesn't doesn't even get to pay off for him in the end because yeah, yeah. That would, they, they, you got usurped by Odo. That would be the twist at the end, is that Odo was going to do it anyway, and Quark, so Quark gives up something and loses, but he doesn't really care. You know, he, he's like, that. Yeah. he's fine because he uh, she's happy and he's happy to, and all that stuff. Yeah, I think that that would be a more believable story structure for that. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not super negative about this one. I just think that it's it's really middle of the road, and it um it has some it's problems. It's bad for a, like a, just a filler kind of episode that's not really trying to be that good right it's, it's not a bad episode <laughs> right in that regard yeah. that's 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 pretty much how i would, I would uh say do you do you realize who um the lead female cardassian is related to in real life i just saw it in the in the the notes on the memory alpha just now it's it's very exciting go ahead yeah she's uh denise crosby's aunt so it's so cool that is so cool yeah apparently bad acting Man. runs in the family um she's not particularly good in this and denise crosby is not particularly no, good it's, either. Just, it's just really neat though it is i neat. didn't know daughter daughter of bing crosby also yeah bing crosby had a lot of a lot of kids apparently yeah 
Yeah. So. I guess so. <laughs> that's, that's what happens. I guess it's not that surprising that he says when he gets out there. Okay. <laughs> I guess when you're a successful musician, that kind of stuff will happen to you. Um, Iris Stephen Bear dislikes this episode because he feels that Quark comes across as too heroic. Bear felt there were already enough heroic characters on the show, and this episode should have instead been a Beauty and the Beast type story. I felt we didn't need another tough, sexy, swashbuckling character on the show. We had enough of those. We needed more offbeat, interesting characters. It would have been Beauty and the Beast or Woody Allen and every woman he's been with in the films. Um, I don't know if I would have liked that better. If it was, I don't know if that's better. But that was kind of what we were talking about, though. You don't, you don't make Quark the be hero. outside his character. He solves the, he solves the problem in the way he knows how to solve problems. Oh, sure. That's the, that's the tools in his toolbox. Versus making him into a hero like Bogart. I'm, I'm interpreting him as to meaning there that he would be pursuing this woman and she would be revolted by him. Sort of like I, uh, I'm, maybe. I'm, I'm glad that they avoided the stereotypical no one likes a Ferengi storyline. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she, the Cardassian. This takes a weird turn though. Yeah, the Cardassian likes loving him. him again. Uh, and it's, it's um, the, the Cardassian likes him and it, doesn't go through the kind of just generic struggle of like oh i hate the frangie everyone hates the frangie no one wants to be with a frangie and that kind of a thing uh anything else here no i don't think so um oh i did like that she it's revealed that quark sold food to the bajorans which is a, a nice touch i think because he doesn't give away food he sold food to to uh, <laughs> people who are basically in an internment camp um that's about it. I, th- I think we've talked about this one enough. Uh, you ready to go to final thoughts and ratings? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm going to play an audio clip, and me and Modi will come back, and we will wrap this one up. Don't allow my greed to keep you from doing the right thing. Uh, I know you better than you think, Quark. This isn't about Cardassia, and for once it's not even about profit. This is about Professor Lang. You're right. It is. Her life is in jeopardy as long as Raquel and Hogue are on the station. Now, why didn't you tell me that before? What was I supposed to say? That I love her? That I would do anything for her? That without her, my life would be meaningless? Sure. I could say those things, but what good would it do? How could I expect you to understand? You've never had those feelings. You don't know what it means to really care about another person. You've never been in love. You've got all the emotions of a stone. No offense. All right, so we'll go to uh, patron thoughts first, I suppose. I forgot to mention that. So if you guys are supporters of the show on patreon.com slash Lipensky file, you get to leave thoughts about upcoming episodes. They get read on the podcast we only have two. Not many people had uh, thoughts about profit and loss, I guess. Stephen Cobb says, Amazing back and forth with Garrick and Quark in the tailor shop. It really illustrates Garrick's character and how fluid his alliances are. Best line. So all I have to do is wait for Cardassia to become a free and democratic society. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it does illustrate how fluid Garrick's alliances are. He's... he. That, that's kind of a trope of the DS9 characters. Odo is a similar way. Like, Odo will never... Um, just blindly follow the side that he's aligned with, he will go with whatever he thinks is morally correct to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Barrett says, Profit and Lost Cardassian Politics? Sign me up. 
Garrick's past gets teased while he ponders a moral quandary? You betcha. A Quirk love story? Oh, God, no. Even though it leads to some good <laughs> scenes with Garrick and Odo, I just don't buy that Quirk would feel this way about Natima and the romance falls flat, especially when the scene in which they profess their love with each other contains such lines as, you painted my face with honey, which I have to guess, oh, is, right. which I have to guess is some <laughs> disgusting sexual euphemism. The episode has the opposite problem of most season two episodes. It has a successful story but flawed character work. Interesting. That's a good point, Kyle. I forgot all about the honey face thing. That was a right. that's a weird line. And then he's like in a butterfly flew and it stuck to your face. It's like what the and, my, and its wings were beating faster than my heart. It's like that. God. <laughs> oh man. How, okay. What do you think is the? Total... I just lowered my rating for this episode again. <laughs> <laughs> the total number of relationships that the like Star Trek writers room has had. I would put I would put the over under at like three and a half. I think it's like the wings were beating faster than my heart as the uh, butterfly was stuck to your face. What the hell is that? And then he then he painted her face with honey. That's the thing people do. Guys, guys, right? You guys, you guys have been into with the person, right? That's what people do, right? <laughs> it's way too sexually loaded. You can you cannot write that line and have people deliver that on and and feel and feel anything but uh, sorrow for the actress who has to say that <laughs> it's line. So sticky, honey. Really, it's that's terrible. <laughs> I do like honey. Honey is something I've grown. It's, no, to eat, absolutely, absolutely. it's delicious. To paint, I with. do not want to touch it no. any more than my mouth. <laughs> not something you want to paint with. Um, no, that's pretty much it. So uh, only the two uh, feed, patron feedback about profit and loss. Not a particularly interesting episode, apparently, according to people. So Modi, what are you going to give this one on our one, two, five scale? I am going to give it a two because it is. It's it's a watchable episode. It's just not a very good episode. Interesting. And, uh, it's not trying to be good, but yeah. it's. Yeah, yeah. I don't give. I haven't given a two out yet. This is this is my two. I'm um I'm gonna give it a three. It's like a week three. Uh, yeah. I had a lot of problems with it, but it's not it's not catastrophic. It's really just like no. you know I watch it all the way through. It held my attention while it was going on, but I, I don't think I, you really walk away from this one going like, wow, that's something to remember, or wow, that was so terrible, I need to forget it. It's it's right in that middle ground. Yeah, there's a lot worse ways it could have gone, and there were some bad ways it did go, but. Overall, yep. it's yeah, yep. yeah. But whatever. also, we got some good Garrick stuff out of it. Yeah, Garrick is good. Odo's good. Trade off. Those kind of conversations are good. So, <laughs> more of that. More of that. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Um, you can check out all the social media links if you enjoy the content. There's Facebook and Twitter, blah, blah, blah. You can go to Discord. We have a Discord server now, which is popping. There's probably like 30 people in there maybe, but uh, a couple lurkers. But uh, there's some active conversations, so that's good. You can get the Discord app, or you can click on the link in the video description if you want to go and, uh, join the chat over there. Um, patreon.com slash the Penske if you want to support the show you go there a couple dollars a month you get extra podcasts you get extra access you get vlogs you get blah 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 you get stuff basically and you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and then last but not least uh, if you are the captain tier on patreon let me click over there you get uh, your name read as a little shout out at the end of the episode so I will do that now thanks very much to Vincent Adultman Stephen Cobb Eric Johnson Nathan Elliott Ewan Tibbetts Decker Sebastiani Neil Brennan Carrier Mobility Doug Valcamp Michael Pond Bradley Killens Rune Venler Jay Stanley Mike Burnett Matthew Ross Ben Douglas Kyle Barrett Joint Mango Tarek Latif guys thank you very much you helped the show go um, there would be no DS9 podcast episodes uh, except for patreon that's the only reason that we're actually doing this i would have stopped at tng if this was a uh, if this was an operation that was basically coming out of the kindness of my heart but you guys make it all possible modi thanks very much for coming on anytime uh i don't know if we have any non sequiturs i was just uh, my only thing is i was um 
sitting with my kid on my lap. He woke up and was a little cranky from his nap. So um, we normally don't let him watch TV or YouTube, but I just put on a YouTube thing and I searched for like kid ball pit. And I've read about kid YouTube before, but I've never really delved. Oh I've never really delved into it. And wow, it is a whole side of YouTube I was unaware of. I can't believe it's crazy. I can't believe the views that some of it's these insane. simple videos yes. have. I'm thinking you're seeing the same ones. I've seen this this guy. He has like four different channels. All of them get like 15 million views a month, and it's just like the most ridiculous stuff. The guy annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> But I gotta respect what he does, cause my God, I, the kids, the kid loves it, and he just watches the videos again and again and again. Yep. And that's probably why they get so many views per month, cause his kids are just watching the same thing again and again and again as kids do. No, it's just like, and it's not like it's even the stuff I was looking at. It's not like it's like you're like, wow, this guy like really crafted a, a video. Like this is a well produced really. thing. It's yeah. just. It, one of them I was watching, it had 160 million views. It's just a woman pop. She would pick up a balloon off the floor, say the color of the balloon, and then pop it. And she did that for yep. five minutes. Yep. Yep. They have, I've seen, I've seen like people putting Paw Patrol characters into like a easy bake oven and they cut to it coming out as a different thing. And then they do the next one. And it's like, I, Oh, I'm in the wrong business. No, as they I, say I'm in the wrong business. I'm, I'm not even angry. It's it's like the meme. I can't it's be like, mad. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even mad. It's more like, wow, holy shit! Like I, now, I'm just like, well, maybe I should just take stupid videos of the kid and put them on a channel that I made up and just see what happens with it. Maybe it would catch on or something like that. Ugh. I mean, for every 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 you know four million channel, uh, four million subscriber channel that's like that, there's probably like a million that are. I know that don't get it. Watching, yeah. so. I'm, those are, those are. Exp- uh, very dependent on YouTube's algorithms right there. It's like, oh, it, yeah, it's going to sure. reward a couple of those channels, but, and but just, once you get in and get the, the regular viewers, you got it, man. I just, just again and again, it was 160 million like views. There, there were some with crazy. like, there were some with like 300 million views. I couldn't believe that this is possible. On, on, uh, it's just yes. very strange. Anyway, I, I think that'll be our non sequitur, but it's interesting. Go check out uh kids playing in ball Kid pit YouTube. or something. Kid YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's about it. Uh, let's see. We'll be back with um, Blood Oath. Clay will come back. We'll be doing that in a couple days. But again, Modi, thanks very much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. No problem. And guys, we will see you next time.